everybody, welcome to Athlete on Fire. I'm Scott Jones, your host, and I am recording this little piece right outside a coffee shop here in Colorado. Just recorded this today. Wanted to get it out right away. Um, one of my favorite interviews I've done in a while. It was crazy how I even learned about our guest today. His name's Mark Carls. He's out in Staten Island. He had a diagnosis of three months to live. There's an article about him in Runner's World, and I saw it posted on Instagram and reached out to him. Had a great conversation. If this does not motivate you to take a look at your life, your day-to-day, your motivations, your discipline, in a different way, on a different level, then you might need to stop listening to podcasts. Just saying. It's powerful. His his uh, energy was amazing. Positive kid. Uh, I loved it. I hope you guys will, too. I am doing a fundraiser for him. It's going to be through the sales of a shirt that we sell on the website athlete on fire store i i misquoted it on the show i said gumroad but it's going to be on athlete on fire store.com it's a three months shirt every cent that we make i'm going to put into his gofundme so um if you guys are listening to this that will be up by the end of the next day or two so appreciate you guys hope you enjoy it and just remember uh every day is not promised i think that'll be coming through loud and clear on this show thanks a lot you guys Everybody here with Mark Carls. He's up in Staten Island, right outside of, uh, the big city. And, uh, we'll t- kind of tell the story how I found out about Mark. Um, that, that'll, that'll get here pretty soon. Um, but just want to start off by saying, how's it going, man? Like, what, what's up in your, your world today? Uh, you know, just, just hanging out, just, uh, getting, getting my strength up. Um, you know, sadly, I'm going to start another chemotherapy, um, regimen soon so you know i'm just trying to get, get get my strength up get my liver back in function and then um you know fight fight the cancer and i'm gonna keep on running yeah yeah we'll talk we'll talk about cancer the the cancer thing is is what drew me to you so Ju- justin grunwald posted something about you um on instagram maybe a month or two ago i saw it and it just caught my eye really quick because your your post was about um Three, getting the diagnosis for three months to live and it was just kind of kind of crazy because a story of my whole life was my my dad having the same the same diagnosis when he was i want to say 23 or 24 back in the early 80s and so so we you know we've heard this this story for my whole life and it's led to a lot of how i see the world and how i kind of um work and attack and tackle things even though i've never had cancer the fact that he lived to to 62 was crazy. And I have, I, after he passed away, I, um, designed a shirt that said three months. And, uh, I wanted to, I wanted to just give it to you at first because I thought, man, how crazy is this? You had the same, uh, your scar looks almost exactly like my dad's scar. There's just a lot of stories to it. But before we kind of get into that and how, how cool the, the internet can be and how it connects us, um, why don't you just start and tell us a little bit about your story? Like, I know you're a runner. I know that you had this diagnosis. I don't know a lot about the cancer that you're that you're you're going through. So I wanted to spend some time to learn about that and educate some people. And let's just start right there. Yeah, so I'll just I'll start with the um, you know, start with the uh, the running story. So um, started running in high school, um, freshman year after I didn't I got cut from the baseball uh, I got cut from the baseball team. So um, the track coach said to me, well, well, why don't you come out to practice? So I came out to practice, you know, did my first, you know, two-mile run. Uh, I was wearing, you know, basketball Jordans. And, um, you know, the next day I had all these blisters. But, um, you know, I had all the endorphins. I got the runner's high for the first time. And, you know, I was hooked. And I've, I've been hooked 
uh, ever since. So, you know, I ran all throughout high school, just, you know, n- n- nothing too impressive time-wise. And, I, you know, we'll get to that later, why that why I didn't have any impressive time. But, you know, I was still training really hard. And, um, you know, then I was, you know, lucky enough to run Division three at uh, Hunter College, um, right, right on 68th Street in Manhattan. You know, we, we would have practice every morning in the, in Central Park, which was really beautiful. And, you know, when uh, the big races were happening in town, you know, the, uh, the, the professionals, they'd be in town. And, you know, it was, it was really cool just, um, you know, just going for a jog in, you know, Central Park and seeing, like, you know, Bernard Lagat, um, you know, just casual. You know, it was, yeah. that was really cool. And then, um, you know, so, you know, I would always have different, like, stomach pains and, I, you know, different practices, like, between intervals. You know, I'd be throwing up or, you know, in so much pain or, like, skimping out on runs towards my senior year. And, you know, my coach, he was always, you know, he was a little tough on me. And he's, like, saying, what's wrong with you? You know, you're just, you're getting, like, the senioritis. You know, you're, you know, I don't think your heart's really in it anymore. But, you know, the heart was, the heart was in it. It was, it was just, it was a struggle. I, I just thought I was getting old. But, um, <laughs> and then, you know, finish up in college and, you know, just keep trying to run uh, post-collegiately and, um, you know, just worse pains. And, you know, I would go to the doctor, um, you know, and they would always tell me after endoscopies, oh, you know, you just, you have acid reflux, you know, just here's some, take some Tums or, um, you know, I, I'll go for allergy tests. And then it wasn't until, you know, I was about 20, you know, until I was 24 years old, about, uh, 14 months ago that, um, you know, I had to go to the emergency room because I was in so much pain. And uh, after a CT scan, uh, it just it was revealed that um, you know I had stage four uh, liver cancer, and the type it's called a fibrolamellar hepatocellular carcinoma. And uh, we'll, we'll just we'll call it fibrolamellar um, in this conversation, just to, to keep things short. But uh, it's it's a very rare liver cancer. It affects one in five million people. And, um, you know, I'm, I, 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 I have much better odds of winning the lottery some weeks yeah. than um, get, getting this cancer. But, um, you know, but I won the cancer lottery, sadly. And um, so, you know, it's, it, it's, it's always in the liver. Uh, there's no cure for it yet. So, um, you know, I, I, I immediately hopped on an experimental uh, chemotherapy. And, um, you know, I did that for two months. Um, you know, and they, they, they told me, you know, you, you've got, you've got three months left. So, you know, of course we jumped into it. I would, and doctors would say, you know, the best way um, for you to live right now is just, is we got to cut this out, but no surgeon um, would agree to cutting it out because it was, you know, stage four, it metastasized from my liver into the gallbladder, the pancreas. Uh, it's in, it's in my lungs. It still is in my lungs. Um, but so I was doing the chemotherapy, did it for two months. And then sadly, um, you know, the cancer just grew like exponentially while I was on chemotherapy because the immune system was suppressed. The cancer kept growing. Um, luckily my brother, who's my number one advocate, um, he, he reaches out to this, you know, this, like this famous surgeon at uh, Columbia University, and um, so I sent all my scans over. I went in for a few consultations, and the surgeon was like, yeah, let's let's do this. 
and um you know i, I was i was pretty gone uh you know mentally i was down in the dumps um and um you know i, I stopped running at that point because you know, i was so i got you know demoralized uh both physically and mentally from like the chemotherapy and, and you know the diagnosis and being told constantly by doctors you know you're you know this is this is it you know you're you're not going to make it. Um, you know, we tried everything, you know, the chemotherapy failed, you know, so I'm, you know, and it was, I remember a lot of cold days in that December, that January, that February leading up to the surgery where, you know, I, you know, just the nose is dripping with, from the neuropathy. And, you know, the last thing you want to do is, is, um, is get some exercise in, but my brother, he would always, you know, he was there for me and he helped me push, um, you know, we would get on the bike and, you know, even, you know, it's, it's tough, you know, when I walk on the treadmill, felt like a run. Um, it was, it was tough, but, you know, everyone has to you know, look at the life differently with it, with a diagnosis like that. So it was February 27th. I went under the knife at a Columbia Presbyterian and, um, I woke up, um, you know, I guess the next day, the surgery took about 16, 17 hours, and they required like 17 pints of blood because the liver just bleeds and bleeds and bleeds. So I got, I got, I got a lot of, I got all, all new blood when I was, when I woke up. And, um, I actually remember I couldn't talk because I had all these tubes and stuff in me. And luckily my brother, uh, taught me, um, sign language. So, you know, I, I, um, you know, the first thing I, I, um, People told me the first thing that I said in sign language, the first thing I signed was my brother's name. So I wrote, you know, D-A-V-I-D, David. And I just wanted my brother. And then um, luckily, you know, he was there. And I, I, I kept on signing, um, I'm dehydrated. You know, I kept spelling it out, you know, give me water. And, um, you know, they, 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 you know, I couldn't uh, ingest anything yet. Um, so they... They actually, they just got like a wet sponge and they would, they would, they would, um, you know, wet my lips just so I had like the, uh, the thought Sensation. of water, I guess. Yeah. So that, that was really tough. And then, um, was this, uh, you know, was this February 27th of 19 or 18? Uh, February 27th of 2019. Okay. So, you know, it's, it's been about, um, well, I guess 10 months, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, gee whiz. <laughs> yeah. I, gotta, I better throw a party on, on the birthday. Yeah, you should. Well, me, I, uh, I've been working in, in health fitness performance forever. And one of my clients, uh, we celebrate months. So I'm coming up on, I'm coming up on 500 months. It's a pretty big deal. Wow. It's yeah. Not, it's not a bad idea. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yes. What, what's yeah. the age difference between you and your brother? I just kind of, just to get some background. Yeah. So one year and two weeks. Oh, wow. You guys are pretty close. So, yeah. People like to consider that Irish twins. And, um, you know, but we, we like, you know, we, we sometimes we tell people we're real twins. Who's older? And even though we don't look exactly alike, um, you know, but we've always shared everything. Um, you know, we, we're, we still share a room. Um, you know, we share food at restaurants. You know, we're, we're still we're still kind of like twins. We finish the sentences. That's cool. And then um, yeah, so he, and you know he's he's you know he took he took he took off of work um, the past year just to be hanging out with me and you know making sure. Um, all my needs are taken care of, you know, a, a big thing, um, that I do now as a practice is, um, you know, every morning, uh, I, I journal a little bit yeah, and I, I write down, um, you know, if today were my last day, if I'm going to die tomorrow, 
what am I going to do today? And my number one thing, it's always hang out with my brother. That's cool. And then what also makes that list is, um, you know, go for a run. So, you know, a, a big thing that we do now is, you know, I go for a run with my brother and, um, and, you know, he's okay slowing his pace for me. And, um, you know, even though, you know, in, he'll, he'll run workouts with me and, um, you know, and that's, that's something that's, you know, it's, it really, it strengthens our bond. Yeah. That's cool. What, what, yeah. what, what's he do for work? Um, so he, um, he, before he was, he was working in a school in the English department in, in, a, in a, a city university in New York. And, um, so he, but he took off for the year and then in the summer he just, he worked doing odd jobs around Staten Island just so, um, on the days where I wasn't feeling hundred percent, he could take off and, um, you know, either take me to the doctor or, you know, get my hopes up and, you know, take me out for like a smoothie or something. Yeah. That's cool. So, so before you, before you go past February 27th, I kind of want to get back into that a little bit, but I'm going to ask you some selfish things. And, and a couple of them are, you know, my dad went through, almost exactly what you're you're describing and uh and i'll have people go to your instagram it's mark carls m-a-r-k-c-a-r-l-e-s just so you guys can see some of these pictures but the scar which i want to talk about here in a minute um is interesting but when i'm trying to when somebody gives you that diagnosis when they're when they verbally say a few months like what what is that like what's it feel like uh you know you kind of get you get tunnel vision and um you know I, just, I remember you know being at one of the hospitals when after you know the the head surgeon at the hospital tells you these things he says you know oh you know your tumor um suffocated and collapsed um you know these major arteries in your body and you're not getting you know ample amount of blood there you know this tumor is pressuring on all these vital organs you know you you got 3 months you know it's just i just remember crying I remember crying. I remember crying with my brother. And then, uh, you know, we, we just wanted to like break something. And, um, you know, but, you know, luck- luckily we didn't break anything. We didn't punch any walls. Cause, you know, that's a big thing you do when you're frustrated. You just, you know, you, you just, you get so hot headed. You don't think about the future. You just think about right now. And so, um, but, you know, luckily, you know, just my family, we were all together and, you know, we, we all went out to my my favorite um, Japanese restaurant at the time, and that that really I, I mean that you know it, I, it was I guess at that moment you know when they tell you you only got a few months left you um you stop caring about certain things you, you get the tunnel vision you realize what's really important and you know the Beatles they may have had it right when they said all you need is love yeah because um, you know you, you're um the mind changes and you know I was just even though I, I was crying for a few minutes, you know, I mellowed out a few minutes later and I, I realized, you know, my family's here. Um, you know, and then you, you start justifying, you're like, Oh, 24 years on life. It's not that bad. Yeah. But, um, but of course, you know, I'm not going to give up. No, you know, no, and awesome. luckily I had my brother being my number one advocate, um, you know, reaching after, reaching after me. And, you know, I had another, uh, on the female team where I went to college, a hunter college, uh, a female runner, she um she she reached out to uh, Gabe Grunwald yeah and told Gabe my story and um you know Gabe was you know fighting she was fighting for her life at this point 
And even though Gabe was, you know, going through all these hardships, you know, she was on her last legs. She, she still reached out to me and, you know, that, that really helped, um, get me, you know, out of the hospital in a positive, a positive mental attitude. Um, you know, she sent me this beautiful letter and, uh, you know, it's a crazy story that, you know, Gabe Grunwald, um, she had an article in the New York times back in 2017. And for some reason, you know, this was before I was diagnosed. For some reason, I kept that article and framed it and put it in my room um, with my, you know, with all my, my favorite runners. You know, I, I got Dathan Ritzenheim up here and Usain Bolt. And um, and then there's, you know, there's Gigi Grunwald. And, um, you know, that's just, it just, it meant so much to me. And, you know, she was really someone who, um, who I guess felt my pain. Also, you know, suffering from liver disease yeah. and liver cancer. And, um so, you know, I can't thank me and my brother enough for being my number one advocate. And also, you know, the, um, my teammate, De- uh, Debbie Ramirez for reaching out to Gabe Grunwald and, you know, and, you know, so I've been in touch with, um, Justin Grunwald and, you know, he's been really supportive and, um, you know, the Brave Like Gabe Foundation, you know, they're doing great things. You know, they're, they're looking for cure for rare diseases and, um, you know, we're all, we're all in this fight together. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah what um so february 27th just you're signing signing with your brother (laughs) you're thirsty they give you a little they give you a little uh wet cloth on your lips which is frustrating but um anyway they helped you out a little bit how how long was that hospital stay for the for that after that initial surgery and oh it was rough it was rough it was let me tell you so um yeah so you know i woke up with all those scars and so much pain and you know i was you know i'm I, I was in the hospital for, uh, I think, four and a half, five weeks. And, um, you know, I, I entered the hospital at, at 136 pounds, and I left the hospital at 118 pounds. Oof. So I was, I was a very, I had, I had the body of an elite runner. <laughs> we'll say that. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I didn't feel like an elite runner. So I was a real skeleton when I, when I left. And, cause that, that, that was a really tough month. You know, I, I, um, there are many days where, you know, I wouldn't be able to eat for a long extended period of time because um, I would have to do these different tests. So, you know, you can't have anything in the body. And also because they um, they also gave me, uh, it's called the Whipple procedure, and it's okay. given to uh, pancreatic cancer um, patients. So, like, when they, they took out a lot of my, my organs and rearranged my stomach with the Whipple surgery, so I didn't, I can't, I don't digest food the same way, and I can't, I can't digest certain foods at all um what i what the foods i used to enjoy in the past so i'm i am extremely grateful um for every lobster roll every macaroni and cheese every fettuccine alfredo i've ever had in the past but you know i can't really enjoy those things anymore so just to all the listeners out there you know enjoy every uh grilled cheese sandwich oh my gosh that's that's important man like just perspective on things that you would never think that you'd never yeah, take for granted. Yeah, you, know? you miss things like that. Something, you know. What's what's the main issue with the digesting? The is it the cheese or is it the is it the carbohydrate? What? Yeah, so I, I guess you know because they they removed you know some um yeah, they removed the gallbladder and they you know they took out you know a lot of, a lot of the liver that's that's grown back thankfully and the pancreas so really the the food high in fat I I just my body just kind of. It, it does not digest. It does not, you know, it either gets rejected or it just it doesn't work. Yeah, that's interesting. 
What, what, um, so, so you get out of there and I'm assuming that the goal is to get some strength back, put some weight back on. What, what were you doing to, to get that done? Yeah. So they, um, I was in so much pain and, um, cause I guess, you know, like if you look at the, the pictures of the scar, you know, they cut right through my stomach, which, um, you know, hopefully I get uh complete strength in the abdomen back, but, um, yeah. So they said, you know, no, no running. And I said, why not? And they said, oh, you know, it's going to, it's, it's just, it's not, it, you know, just, you're not going to be able to do it. And, um, cause I mean, you know, I remember driving home from the hospital and I felt every bump in the road. Mm. And, um, and I'm, really I'm looking at the scar right now, Mark. I just want to describe it because you know, this is audio. Um, it, it starts, um, right at your waistline. It goes up and around your belly button and then up to your xiphoid process, it looks like, like your, the bottom of your sternum. And then yep. there's, then there's another one that starts probably halfway between your belly button and your, and your sternum. And it just goes straight across. So it looks like a giant, like cross or T almost right in the middle of your stomach. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. That yeah. is nuts. Yeah. It was, it was really tough to wake up to. There was a, a lot of staples in there. And oh. another, another funny story. Like I, I left the hospital. Um, before like, they, they took, they took all the staples out so it, it, it would heal. And then I, but I, and I went back to the hospital a few days later to get the rest of the staples removed. And, you know, they said all metal out of your pockets. And then, um, I just, I lifted up my shirt and the security guard was so, uh, you know, oh, that's he, great. Was, he, he was like, <laughs> Oh, I'm so sorry. You come right this way. Oh, that's great. My, my wife just had a hamstring surgery and the sutures they put in, like the second thing the doctor says when she gets out, like she's out of it. So I'm just talking to him like this is a month ago. And he's like, well, these sutures are good because they won't show up on flights and, um, you know, any electromagnetic sur- or surveys or whatever. So I thought that was, that was funny. But to be able to th- uh, throw that card at somebody, it's pretty legit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay, so you're w- – Yeah, what- so then I'm, yeah, so I'm getting, out, getting out of the hospital, working on um, – with my physical therapist. And, um, you know, um, you know the first the first few months – you know, it was mostly just, you know, going for walks and, um, you know, it was tough. Walking is tough. And then, um, you know, eventually, you know, probably around, you know, mid May, I started, um, you know, doing a little bit of fartlek work where like, you know, I'd walk for two minutes and then run 15 seconds, walk two minutes, you know, then do a little jog for 30 seconds. And, um, you know, every, every, every impact, impactful, um, like when I would land, I, it's like a, it was like a big punch in the stomach, but you know, I knew I needed to get back. I wanted to get back. And, um, you know, if you really want something, you can, you can have it. You know, like I really, I really want to be alive. Um, and that's why I'm alive. My brother really wanted me alive, you know, so he helped me find the surgeon and you know, that's why and I really want to run. And that's why I run. And the doctors are saying, like, oh, you know, um, you know, maybe if you didn't run so much, you'd gain weight a little easier. But, um, you know, I don't really see it that way. And, um, you know, it's, you know, I, it, running makes me happy. So, you know, just working, you know, I, I haven't gone over five miles yet, but, um, you know, brick by brick. Yeah, it's and, um, still pretty. But I'm running, I'm running a lot. Of, I run a lot of 5Ks. Yeah. I, I, you know. My brother and I, we joined uh, one of the local uh, running clubs here in Staten Island, the Staten Island Athletic Club. And, you know, they've been extremely uh, supportive. And, um, you know, so we run workouts with them. 
we'll do the, the fun run every week. You know, they, they host these great local races and, you know, such a great running community. Um, other than that, um, you know, I'll hit up the YMCA, you know, I'll get to spin class. I'll, um, you know, I, I like to sit in the sauna, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a great way to sweat and, you know, just get toxins out of your body and just, it, it's nice to be warm, especially when it's cold. Yeah. And then, um, you know, so I'm, I'm working, I got into the double digits of pushups. So, nice. you know, not, not, not close to the hundred pushups I used to be able to do, but you know, 10 will take it. How's your core feel on this? It, um, it hurts so much. You know, I, I never valued my core. Is it, so let me ask you, does it feel like the scar tissue? Does it feel like, um, it's still healing? Is it from some of the internal stuff that they did when they opened you up? What what, was, I I guess a big, a big mixture of both, you know, the the body's all different now in me. So, you know, and you know, when you, when you cut someone open, you know, you're not, you're not just cutting through skin, you're cutting through like, you know, I guess a few centimeters of, you know, muscle tissue. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like you know, like I, I joke with my brother now, like I used to have a six pack, you know, back in high school and college. And now I just have like a, I have like a, you can play like box ball on my stomach, you know, the way that it looks. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so the, the hardest thing is, um, was probably like getting in and out of the bathtub or, you know, getting in, getting in and out of bed, um, you know, like by myself. Um, so, um, but yeah, the, when I do a push up. Like, I don't feel it in my arms at all. I just, all the only, like, it's just so painful on the stomach. I feel, it kind of feels like a lightning bolt or like a, like a, an electricity bolt is like running on the scar line mm. every push up. And, yeah. um, it's kind of strange. And I guess that's a mixture of scar tissue breaking up or a, um, and, and c- combined with like, you know, just like the, uh, whatever's, whatever's going on underneath the, um, the abs. Yeah. Do you but, have, um, do you, I'm fighting. Do you have any other siblings? Is it just you two? Yeah. So uh, I do have a you know I have a sister. She lives in Connecticut. She just had a baby, baby Frank. Oh, cool. And um, so um, yeah, so we were we, we were we both we both had um, something in our stomachs that was seven pounds that needed to be removed. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, and then I have a, another half sister. She's been extremely supportive as well. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So okay, I, I I feel like we're kind of caught up as far as like the quick the quick backstory, you know. Um, yeah, I have a lot of questions for you. So yeah, shoot. I think you seem like you're willing to answer anything. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask some of these. So um, listening to the show right now, lots of runners, lots of endurance athletes. I mean, a little a little bit of everything. And um, but I'll be posting this on Athlete on Fire and Becoming Ultra, which gets to some some unique audiences. Uh, we have lots of. Lots of runners. I work with a lot of runners um, that have a hard time with the whole motivation thing. Um, like getting out for big efforts seems to be pretty easy for a lot of people because it's exciting and uh, it's the it's where you get more attention with yourself and your friends and family. But you know, getting out on a Tuesday morning when it's crappy outside and you just don't want to do it, um, I think we all know what that feels like. What has this experience taught you about motivation and? and how to maybe get to, to where it's just automatic every day or when the days you need, the days you need to get out there, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so, you know, I guess, you know, just realizing that you're not immortal and that, um, you know, the, the clock is ticking, um, kind of, you know, it, um, it, it, it motivates me in, in a sense that like, you know, say like, you know, if someone tells you, you have three months 
left to live. Um, you know, that kind of, you know, like if it, it, it clicks in your head, like, oh, you know, you only have one week to live, you know, oh, you can get seven morning runs in, you know, you can watch the sunrise seven times. That's, you know, and um, I, it's, it's really the little things. It's the brick by brick that, um, that will turn into the house, you know, that it's, you, you really need those, you know, you, you got to show up every day. Yeah. You, you know, it's, that's, you got to show up every day. That's, it's a full-time job, but you know, you don't have to spend 40 hours a week on it. You know, you can spend as, as little time as you want, but as long as you get out there, you know, you're making an effort. I mean, you, you get to do this in a more intimate level than, than most of us ever will having a diagnosis like that. And like, you think about getting to the end of the day before you put your head on the pillow and if it truly is the last day that you ever had and you look back at it and you sat there for an extra three hours when you could have gone on a beautiful run or hung out with somebody that you really love. I mean, I think that's the exercise you're doing every day. That's so freaking inspiring, man. It's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so before we got on, before we hopped on, I, I wanted to do something. Um, I have lots more questions, but this is perfect time because you said the three months to live. So after my dad passed away, like, um, you know, there's just a lot of different ways to cope. I usually cope by just doing creative stuff I, with the podcast and things that I write and put out in the world. And I created some designs. Like I have one that says, if it takes your last breath and it takes your last breath, keep fighting. And the reason I came up with that is because my dad had a Twitter account and none of us, my dad's a uh, high school coach his whole life. None of us knew he was on Twitter and he had all these like amazing sayings on there. And a few days before he passed away, he had, that was one of his tweets. We nobody knew why he wrote it. It was just crazy. Um, so there's that. And then I, the three months to live thing is just like ingrained in my psyche because it was the story of my, my pops. And I created a, uh, a shirt and I sent you a screenshot of that bad boy. So yeah, I'm going to send that, that to that you. That really resonates with me. Well, I'm glad man. And, and I love the internet can be such a maddening place, but I love it for being able to connect with people in this way. And I know, um, I know you have GoFundMe for your, for a lot of your medical expenses, which is over. That's a whole different topic we're not even going to get into because it's stressful as I'll get out. Right. Um, yeah. uh, what I'd like to do is for every, every one of these shirts that, that I sell, um, from here on out, we'll go to your GoFundMe. So hopefully, hopefully oh, wow. people that's, listening. That's, I wouldn't know how to thank you enough. So, uh, so if you guys are listening, um, the link will be in the show notes. If you want to check it out without going to the link, it's gumroad.com slash athlete on fire. And, uh, every single penny will go to, to, uh, Mark's GoFundMe. I think that'll, that'll be a really good way to honor my dad and, and the fight that you're going through right now. So that will be some, something cool. Um, and so some other questions, <laughs> some other questions, I get sidetracked pretty easily. Uh, the run, so the chemo, actually I have a couple questions. Have you ever read the book cancer, the emperor of all maladies? No. Uh, should I add it to the list? It, it's amazing. It, it, it kind of goes into the history of, well, the, the, the physiology of cancer and the history of the study of the disease. And then it goes into the history of the treatment of the disease, which is crazy, especially from the chemo standpoint. Like when my dad was getting chemo back in the early eighties, um, the strain of chemo that used was far more brutal than what they use these days from, from everything that I read. But, um, just to get a bigger idea of what's been done before and what they're doing now and just being able to connect dots. I mean, probably in the same, same breath that your brother had the gut feeling to research and call some other doctors. Um, I think it would be a really good reach for you, you and your brother for sure. Yeah, definitely. That being said, I know how brutal chemo can be. Um, what, what, what's your experience been with it? 
Oh, it was the worst. <laughs> so the um, <laughs> I wasn't yeah. expecting anything less, but yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you know, I um, you really you gotta, you know, they, I, uh, I guess probably the, I had a really bad experience my first time because you know I I went in there and I, they asked me, oh, are you, are you allergic to anything? And you know, I've never been allergic to anything in my life, so I said, no, I'm not allergic to anything. So um, you know, I'm I'm about to start my first you know chemo. Um, they, they put the, uh, they, they threw the, um, the big gauge needle into my arm and they give me like an anti-nausea, um, I guess medication first. And, um, I just, you know, I guess time really slowed down and my body went into anaphylactic shock and I was like, oh, this, this must, is this chemo? Chemo is bad. And <laughs> so, uh, I was freaking out and, uh, luckily the nurses, they, um, they realized that I was having a severe allergic allergic reaction, so they they cut that. Um, they cut it after only a, apparently it was only five ten seconds, but to me it felt like five ten hours. But um, so that was that was my my start into the chemo. Oh jeez. And then um, you know, but other than that, you know, they give you a steroid, so it's not too bad. Um, for the first the first twenty four hours, it's you know. So when I was on like a, a two hour drip. Um, an hour and a half for one drug and 35 minutes for another. And it was just, it was, it was just, it would burn. It would burn. So they would give, they would put like, um, I guess I think they were heat packs like around it just so it would kind of, your, your arm would be warm and it would, it would be, it would burn. And I just remember it just, I always, um, I just remember throwing up every time after the chemotherapy because it's so, you know, it's so toxic. It's just putting poison in your body. It's poisoning the bad stuff and supposedly the good stuff, um, and the, and the bad, the bad stuff and the good stuff, but you know, it's tough. And, um, but after about 24, 36 hours later, when the steroid would, um, you know, cease, um, to work, you would just, you know, I just, I would just lay in the bed and just like not be able to do anything. Mm. And, you know, like it, it would, it, when it's a struggle to open your eyes. How long you know? did that, how, how long did those last, those cycles? Um, so it would be, yeah, so you, you're in, you're definitely in pain for like two or three days and then you start recovering and then I would, uh, hop on again. So once every 14 days I, I did it when I did my first, uh, chemotherapy cycle hmm. and, um, you know, it just is, so you're, you're, you're knocked out, you're out of commission for a week and then the next week you get, you, you get your strength back and then you, you do it all over again and, you know, you really, you can't enjoy food. Um, you get all these terrible side effects like that, that you know, I, um, they, they told me it's all out of my body, but, um, you know, I, I remember saying to my brother once, I said, you know, Dave, if you put anything into your body for, you know, three months, um, you know, I'm sure you'd have like lifelong side effects. You know, if you smoke cigarettes for three months, um, you know, you, you'll get better, but you know, you still smoke cigarettes for those three months. If you did steroids for three months. You know, your body will, you know, it'll get the steroids out of the system, but, you know, whatever the steroids did during those three months, you know, it's, it'll be in your body. Yeah. And then, so, um, you know, event on the, on the, the good weeks, like on the chemo where I was recovering, I, uh, my brother would always take me down to the gym. And, um, I remember just, you know, being able to, you know, I used to be able to do 30 pull ups straight. And then, you know, but one pull up was good enough on chemo. So, you know, we'd always try to leave the gym doing, um, you know, something productive 
whether yeah. it just be, you know, some, some like yoga, um, you know, inspired stretching or the bicycle machine, which is really easy, real simple, you know, doesn't, doesn't take that much stress. And it, it's a great way to get the, the blood flowing the, or, uh, you know, some pull-ups. Do you think going through, going through the chemo doesn't make running and physical efforts easier? Cause you know, it can never be as bad as that or. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to think about it. Yeah. You know, I've, people always, um, they ask me like, especially with the, the upcoming, um, chemotherapy that I'm going to be on this Christmas. Um, they, they ask me, Oh, well, you know, I hope it's not too bad. And then I say, you know, I'm sure I can handle it. I'm sure, I'm sure I've been through worse. Yeah. And uh, like the, the other night, um, my brother and I, we went out to the Ranger hockey game and, um, you know, we, we had a great night. We were out till we didn't get home till about 3am. And then I wake up my brother the next morning. I'm like, Hey Dave, we got the, um, we have the, the weekly, uh, fun run 5k. You gonna, you gonna run with me? And he goes, no, I'm tired. And I, I was just like, you know, Dave, you know, um, I think I'm in more pain than you. I think I'm more <laughs> tired than you. And, um, so you know, we, I got him to, that got him motivated and we, we ran the, the, the fun run together and, you know, you don't have to run, um, you don't have to run, you don't have to give a hundred percent every day, but you have to show up every day. Yeah. Hell yeah. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. And because it's your brother, you can use that against him for as long as you want. Oh yeah. It'll never, it'll never <laughs> And your, um, your voice kind of went muffled a little bit in the last minute or so. I don't know if you changed your position or anything with the mic, but just keep that in mind. I'm sorry about that. There you go. There you go. Um, yeah, I, I have a sister, but I would definitely, definitely use that against any of my friends and sister for sure. No, I think, I think that's good for people to hear, man. Like, oh wow, you're, you worked hard at the computer all day. B- big deal. <laughs> like, get your butt up and get, get moving. And plus, nobody ever regrets a good run. Like, I don't know anybody. Oh, absolutely. Nobody yeah. ever regrets after the fact. It's just, it's, sometimes it's hard to get moving, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I know some people they complain about uh, the race entry fees. I like they, they um like now there some races cost like over like a hundred dollars. Yeah. But you know, I I personally I've never regretted um, paying for an entry fee after a race. No. You know, or so you know, it's always worth it. I, I've race directed over about one hundred and fifty, so I I have zero <laughs> tolerance. I mean, if you don't like the race, if you think it's too much, then just don't run it. Don't don't go pay for it and then complain about it. That makes no sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. What, is there anything but like this is kind of a weird question but i have a feeling you might have a good answer for it um at, from this experience the fact that your perspective has changed so much and you know that you can't expect other people around you to have this the same ideals if they haven't gone through something similar is there something that people do now that personality wise or habits wise that really irritates you because you've got this new perspective or have you been able to just keep it positive 24 7 yeah, a lot of people they like I guess they kind of baby me like, "Oh, you know, um are you are you sure you're supposed to be doing that or you know, you know, you shouldn't be running, you know, you have I I've had the same surgery as you and I the doctor told me not to run." And um but you know, it's it's your life. You know, when um you know, like when I was a teenager and my mom said, "Oh, no, you can't take the car out." You know, that didn't stop me from taking the car out. Yeah. You know? And um you know, and, you know, they, you know, when I was little and, um, you know, just when there was like a, a bowl of candy and my mom says, you can take one piece of candy, you know, I still took two pieces of candy. You know, like, <laughs> that's what you do. It's so, you know, people, people, they, um, they, they can't really, they really can't tell you how to live your life. And, 
you know, you, like, like just how, how I can't tell people to live their lives. Yeah. And you, you know, you know, when I, um, when I first started running, um, you know, after my post-surgery, I, um, a lot of my friends, they were motivated as well. They're like, Oh wow. If you know, Mark's running and he's in so much pain, you know, what's my excuse? You know, I, I should be running. And, um, you know, so they, and they would all reach out to me, but they really, it fizzled out after about a week. And I, you know, I, and I keep in contact with a lot of my friends. I'm like, oh, how's the training going? And they're like, oh, it's it's not going. And uh, so I'm a little disappointed in them. I don't know what their excuses are. But um, there's no good know. ones. <laughs> no, no, no good excuses. I hope my clients are listening right now. I really do. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I know some of them are. But um, some motivation. Yeah. No, I can see that as being frustrating for sure. The the babying thing reminds me. I have. Uh, I worked with a handful of clients with with uh, amputations from from birth defects and amputations from uh, other other accidents and issues. And, and one of the kids I used to work with, he's a wrestler, high school wrestler. And I think he was in eighth or ninth. I think he was in no, he's in ninth grade because he's playing. He was wrestling at high school level. And um, before he would get out on the mat, he'd take off his leg, um, his prosthetic, and he his leg went a few inches below his knee. Um, so he'd have to work off of one knee and his other foot. And he's, he's pretty good. He's, he wrestled like 130 or something and he was out there and he got, he got beat on one of his matches and he was walking off and he's, he was walking back to like where all the team was sitting and his dad, who I'm really good friends with, he was, he was kind of right there and this lady came up to him. She's like, Oh my gosh, you're so inspiring, blah, blah, blah. And he didn't even like acknowledge her really. He's like, thanks and just kind of walked away. But he was really irritated because he didn't want to be treated differently in, in that way. Like he just lost, he was pissed off, you know what I mean? And, uh, just getting, just getting it from like getting that kind of reaction consistently is, is something I've heard. And I think, I think people, um, when they get into these really stressful situations are more apt to, to baby somebody going through something serious instead of pushing them. I think your brother is, man, I think he's just heaven sent for you to be able to keep pushing you into the gym and, and that kind of stuff's really cool too. For yeah. Sure. He's the best. Yeah. Okay, so here's a question about your brother. Um, what if the roles were reversed? What if you found out that he got the same diagnosis? What, what, what would you do with him that he's not doing with you? Well, yeah, so he's a little different. He, so he was, um, he was raised a, um, a baseball. He was a baseball prodigy growing up, and he played in college. So, um, you know, if he if he had the, uh, the, um, unluckily for me, I'm not the best baseball player. I don't have the uh, the same skill set. So. But um, yeah, I guess yeah, we would we would we would have a baseball catch, but I wouldn't be able to, you know, throw him some curveballs or anything. <laughs> but um, yeah, what position? Um, but he, uh, he he would do second base and shortstop. Oh, nice. Yeah, he went to a, a little school in Michigan, and then he actually played overseas. And then he he was going to play another season um, around the time I got diagnosed, but luckily he stayed home and he um, he took care of me, and that's the reason why I'm still alive. Wow. That's yeah. awesome, man. Um, yeah, but definitely, I would, you know, on the days where he's not feeling well, where, um, you know, or, you know, I'm, I'm take, I take care of him sometimes, you know, like, um, you know, like I'll, I'll cook him his breakfast, um, you know, before he goes to work, um, you know. So I, I do, I do, I do my part. I do my part in the, uh, in our, in our relationship. That's awesome. All right, so one of your some of your Instagram stuff I love. Uh, things to do before you die: get a matching tattoo with your mom. All right, tell me about that. Oh yeah, that's a big one. So, um, so you know, when I was growing up, I I I really never wanted a tattoo. I was, you know, I was always like, oh, you know, my body is like a, 
um, you know, like a, you know, I want to keep it, keep it pure, keep it clean. You know, I don't want to put anything bad in my body. Um, you know, but, and then I, you know, I, when I woke up uh, the day after my surgery, I had all these scars. I was like, Oh, you know what? These scars are kind of like tattoos. So, um, <laughs> you know, and my mom, she designed and got this tattoo of a flamingo on her, on her right shoulder when she was in, in her early twenties. Uh, this was, I guess, back in the seventies. And, um, so she had this tattoo and I really wanted to get a tattoo to cover one of my surgery scars because, um, you know, although I have the big cross, I have scars and other like parts of my body now that they, they had to, um, they had to, um, they had to take out different arteries and different parts of my body to, uh, to replace the arteries that were, uh, collapsed by the tumor. Okay. So I, I had this real nasty one on my leg that I really wanted to get covered with the tattoo. So I was like, Oh, I'm going to get this tattoo covered. Um, but then, um, you know, the, uh, the tattoo artist, he really didn't feel comfortable, um, with like uh, putting a tattoo over the scar cause it's, it's still a little fresh. So, um, I was like, all right, well, you know what? I'm going to, you know, I love my mother. She's, you know, she's, she's my number one. Um, her tattoo is badass. Um, I'm going to get the same tattoo my mom has. So I, I just, my, you know, my mother sat in during the appointment and, uh, you know, for reference and uh, I got the same, I have a matching tattoo with my mom. Oh my gosh. You know? So, you know, what's funny. So I was looking at it. I couldn't tell what it was right away. And it looked, I thought it was like, I thought it was like your liver or your kidney or something with, um, Oh, okay. Yeah, definitely. It definitely like the, uh, the background behind yeah. the flamingo. Now I can see it. Is it. A, abstract shapes. It is, it is pretty similar to the shape of a liver. That's funny. I know. So I thought it was like, really? like some kind of like representation. That's hilarious. Wow. Maybe subconsciously. Yeah. Your, your That's mom funny. in the seventies got a liver for her son 20 years later. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But the flamingo, it's become a, a, uh, I guess like a big, a big logo of us, of ours. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah. We got, there needs to be a, a, a flamingo emoji. We gotta get, <laughs> we gotta get one of those. There's gotta be one out there. There's gotta be. Yeah. What, um, what's, what's coming up for you, man? I know you got this, this chemo coming up. What, where's your body at? Where's your mind at moving forward? I know you're taking it day by day. I mean, I, uh, I, yes. I definitely got big, that part of it. I'm a big family guy. So, uh, this is the best time to be, you know, this is the best time of year for me. So, you know, just coming up, coming off Thanksgiving and, um, you know, I just, I really appreciate having the family together. And, uh, you know, like I said earlier about, you know, all you need is love. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that's the truth. And, you know, there's nothing better than, you know, just, you know, the, uh, the holiday season. So, you know, Thanksgiving, we have, you know, Christmas coming up, New Year's, and I'm just really looking forward to just being with the family. And, um, you know, these, there'll be some, um, you know, some, um, some, some nice races where people will be wearing Santa hats. So there'll be some nice big winter races coming up. And, um, so you just keep on training, um, in, um, let's see, April 20th for the, um, I'll be up in Boston, nice. um, you know, ch- you know, cheering on for the Boston marathon. Uh, I won't, I won't, I won't be competing this year. I don't know if I'll ever qualify for Boston, but, um, you know, it doesn't stop me from going to support. So, uh, you know, a good friend of mine, Phil Shin, he, um, he invited me up with the, um, with an, with a nice team. And so I'll be there for some, maybe the run, one of his shakeout runs the day before. So we'll do that. And then, um, you know, my brother and I were training for a big race that's going to be happening next November in New York, but we're not going to announce anything yet. 
Oh, that's cool, man. But something big is happening. Something big, baby. I love it. Yep. Do Do you have any big goals for running? For yourself? Uh, just yeah, just just finish that big finishing that big race. It's gonna, you know, it's gonna it's gonna mean so much to me. It's gonna bring so much inspiration to my brother, and I'm sure it's gonna bring so much inspiration to um you know the rest of the running community, to the rest of the cancer community, to the um you know the different foundations that are helping me out. And, um, yeah, that's that. That's cool. You know, it's funny. Uh, I, I played baseball yeah. in college. And, oh, great. Uh, yeah. And just seeing your brother running and getting into it. Like, uh, so we do this project called Becoming Ultra and we, and we take first time ultra runners and kind of coach them up on the, on the podcast, the Becoming Ultra podcast. And people get to see their journey until they go run their first ultra, usually six months later. And the guy that we have on the show now, he, he's a former professional baseball player as well. And uh, just trying to get more baseball, just like team sports people into running after their careers are over is huge because, you know, most baseball guys don't like to just go run long distances. It's just not in the DNA necessarily. Yeah, no, it really isn't. Yeah. Yeah, but um, I don't know if I'll ever – in ultra, it does sound exciting. I I, I always wanted a belt buckle. Yeah, man. Um, Yeah. We're not going to rule that out just yet. What did you get your degree in? Uh, in you know, journalism and media. Oh no way! That's awesome. Yeah. So have and, you used yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, so I was actually I was in I was uh, I was working for a Dan Rather who is um you know a real real famous um, oh, yeah. news journalist. So I, I was working for him um, up until my diagnosis, and oh. um, he, he's been actually extremely supportive as well. And he he actually um, you know really explained the word courage to me. You know he said Mark you've got a lot of courage and you know to me growing up. I, you know, I never, never really like knew what courage or what being brave really meant. And, you know, it, it really is, um, you know, just like pushing yourself, you know, like past your, past what you think is your limit, you know, just like doing things that, you know, are, are, that are uncomfortable. And, you know, just like, I remember being in the hospital and doing the physical therapy and, you know, just, you know, getting in and out of bed, you know, that it takes courage. Um, and it's tough. But you know you got to be brave and you got to be out there and you got to be doing things. It's awesome, man. Have you yeah. run into other people with similar diagnosis since since yours? Yeah. So um, you know, we the the, uh, the local running uh, club they they you know they they had a big uh, like um pancreatic cancer foundation race and um so like even though you know I I, I just had the metastases to the um pancreas mm-hmm. it was it was nice just like you know uh, being there and you know just giving a little bit of words. Of um, of what it feels like to be you know to, to fight some pancreatic cancer, um, and you know meet some other uh, people that have you know had the same had the Whipple surgery. It, yeah. It's nice to it's it's really nice to see people that um, you know that, like that feel your pain. Uh, other than that, um, with you know my rare disease, they're um, the found the fibrolamellar cancer foundation. Uh, it's a really great foundation. They throw a um, a retreat every year. And it was in mid-September where um, all different uh, patients of fibrolamellar, uh, in you know, we had people from Ecuador, um, people from you know the West Coast of the United States, and you know we all we had met in Vermont, and uh, it was just it was really great just to see, um, just to meet other patients, and just to like you know hear their stories, like well what works for you? Um, oh, you, oh you can't eat cereal? That's so funny. I had to stop eating cereal. Yeah, or um, you know stuff stuff like that. It, it's it's really nice to just to 
you know, to resonate with people and, um, you know, people with other problems. And, you know, ever since my article was released, you know, I, I've, I've been, uh, I guess I've been giving people hope and people have been reaching out to me and I'm just, I'm giving, you know, I'm, I have, I'm giving them the positive attitude that I had. I'm giving them some tips on fighting cancer, some tips on, you know, the daily, um, you know, daily life's problems and just, you know, we're, I'm in this fight, uh, for everyone else. You know, so many people are supportive to me. So, you know, it's my way to give back just to give inspiration and just to give tips and stuff. Yeah. I mean, you're obviously doing that. What, what, when people are listening to this and, and following your story, what really helps? Like what, what type of, what type of engagement or reaching out really, really empowers you and allows you to, to push and, and keep fighting? Uh, you, you know, my favorite thing is just, um, you know, uh, like if you, you get someone out, get someone out for a run who's not a runner. Yeah. Um, that's like one of my favorite things to do now, especially, you know, since I'm a, I'm a lot, you know, I, I take a lot of my runs a little slower than I used to. So, you know, and a lot of times, like, you know, I, my friends, they ask me, they want to hang out with me. And I say, you know what, you know, get your running shoes on. Um, you know, let's, we can go, you know, we can go 10, 12 minute pace. Let's just, let's get a few miles in together. We can spend time together. The slower we run, the more time we can spend together. Um, you know, and just get a good picture of that throw it up on social media and um you know it's it's motivating to some people and uh it's motivating you know inspiration it's it's you know it's it works both ways you know it's a mutual thing so i had a, a good friend of mine he just ran the um the uh, the brooklyn marathon he got second place sammy gotts and you know he he ran like that race in, in to honor me and you know it's it was it's great that like i could inspire him and you know he could also inspire me and, you know, inspiration is, is also contagious. So I have a lot of other friends that are running races in honor of me or, you know, they're going to run their next marathon and like, you know, for like uh, and, and raise money for, um, you know, I got cancer foundation. And, yeah. you know, that, that just it makes me so happy. Awesome, man. Um, all right. Just a couple more things. Uh, do you have any restrictions on things uh, on, on things that you can do physically right now or traveling or anything like that? Um, you know, what? I really. I really want to play basketball, but you know, I, I don't, I can't, I don't have, I can't do that anymore. I, you know, I, I can, um, that's a lot of work wa- on your court. Walking, if you're not yeah. Here. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't, um, swung a golf club yet. Running. It's nice because it's a straight line. Right. Um, but no, I really can't do any really uh, agility drills yet. Uh, it's really, it's tough. Um, sometimes, you know, you know, the, the running drill, like, like quick feet. Yeah. Uh, I'll occasionally, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll do some of that. That's like the uh, the most agility work I, I've done, but uh, not not really any jumping. I was in Manhattan, um, you know, a few days ago, and there was a rat ran across the sidewalk, <laughs> and you know, I, I, my my reflexes aren't as what they used to be. So, but you know, I, so I tried jumping over the rat, but um, Dude, you know, it, just, it ran it ran right attack. over my foot. I couldn't. I didn't have the reflexes. It, it would be really sad to, to beat cancer and have a heart attack because the rat was in your way. That would be kind of yeah, sad. <laughs> yeah, it's tough. But yeah, so I mean, my reflexes aren't aren't that good yet. But you know, running in it, it's yeah, I, I do what I can now. Yeah, you know, I'm not gonna be able to play basketball. You know, I'm not gonna be able to throw, uh, you know, a baseball as you know as 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 hard as I want to. But um, you know, I can swim, I can run, I can ride the bike. So as far yes. as I'm concerned, that's all you need. Yeah, you're good to go, man. That's awesome. Well, I'm going to tell you a little story that I told at my grandfather's eulogy last week. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Um, oh, th- yeah. yeah. 
that we were we were supposed to talk, and literally the day of his service was when we were scheduled. I was like, oh crap! I almost um, completely forgot, but I I was with it enough. Um, and it was a story, you know. I was explaining to people when I was there that uh, a lot of these stories kind of get lost when when you lose people because there's no one else to pass them down. And this is a story my dad had told me my whole life. My grandfather told me, and my dad was going through. Um, he had testicular cancer. They removed his testicle. They thought they got it. Had my sister came back and metastasized every major organ, and then they gave him that three month to live type thing. And he he had that same scar as you and all that stuff. And my dad was going through one of his chemo rounds, and my my grandfather lived out on a kind of like on a farm out in West Virginia, out in the country. And uh, my dad and him were just kind of sitting out there. And my dad was in the hammock, and my grandfather was just sitting there. And he's an engineer, kind of quiet, strong type, but didn't did not waste words on things. You know, he just wasn't yapping all day long. And uh, my dad was just really nervous and scared, like I'm sure most people are in, in this situation. And um, the conversation got around to my dad asking my grandfather if if he thought he was going to make it. And uh, my my grandfather said, yeah, of course. And and my dad asked why. He's like, because you've never given up on anything in your life, and you're not going to give up on this. And, wow, that's uh, beautiful. And it's just uh, it's just one of those things. I think just know that people. You don't have to know people well to have a lot of a lot of love coming your way. So, I really appreciate you taking the time today, man. Hopefully, hopefully we can reach some people and inspire people to go do some cool stuff, man. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Sweet. You guys are listening to Mark Carls. Check out his Instagram. We're going to sell some of these shirts and get some money over and and this GoFundMe. Where are we at here? We're at twenty four six out of a fifty thousand dollar goal. How long have you had this thing up? Uh, you know, about a year now. All right, let's go freaking and, chat. You know the yeah the um you know the expenses keep on coming and you know it's 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 a tough life and you know but eventually hopefully we find a, a cure. Absolutely, man. Mark, thanks a lot, man. I really appreciate your time. All right, thanks so much.